Okay, so we are in a faith series. I hope you've been encouraged and been equipped along the journey. Week one, we talked about having a faithful future, F-U-L-L, where the cup is full and overflowing, rather than a fearful future. I was thinking about this this week, and uh, I don't want to you know, dive into the deep end because it isn't really much part of the message, but I want to encourage you. Stay rooted in your identity in Christ. Don't live for that, but live from that. All right? When God looks at you, you're covered in his blood. He sees you as a son or a daughter of the living God. You don't have to attain that. I think sometimes we spend so much of our lifetime unsure of the, the footing we're on. Unsure if he really is a strong foundation. I'm here to remind you he is. He sees you forgiven if you've surrendered and trusted your life to him. He hasn't changed his mind about you. And so this series, you need to remain, I want to encourage you, you need to remain rooted as a child of the living God. And it's from that place, having that area of our soul settled, we can begin to dream. We can begin to understand that he has got a great purpose. He's got a great plan for our lives. We can begin to receive these promises into our spirit, man. And we can live with expect, expectation and live in a state of expectancy. I like to, I, I like to kind of call it a sense of impending goodness. All right? You have permission every moment of every day to live with a sense of impending goodness from God. Okay? I don't know if you know this, but you have permission not to let your circumstances overwhelm you. You have permission to live love, live full of joy, full of hope, and full of faith. So we kicked the series off a couple weeks ago. Last week, I shared a bit of the journey of Israel, right? They're kind of in this wilderness place. In Numbers in 13 and 14, Moses says, spies, go visit the land. They went and visited the land, and they got stuck. Not in the promised land, but in the wilderness. Because they weren't operating by faith. They were overwhelmed by what they see. And I ended Last week's message with divine delays, that sometimes one arm of resistance that we face is a divine delay. And so today I want to talk about waiting well. How many of you just love patience? Come on, let me take a quick poll. We're at 0%. Online, I couldn't see your hand. But I want to talk a little bit today about waiting on God. The opposite of waiting is rushing or speeding. I looked up a couple statistics from the National Safety Council. Speeding was determined to be the cause of 26% fatalities for drivers in 2019. Speeding. On twokeller.com, they break down some further research on why people speed. I thought this was fascinating. Not that I've ever felt any of these, but for you that speed. Um, situational factors, all right? They speed because of the situation they're in. Empty road ahead, in a hurry, or they're running late. Some people speed out of social pressure. Drivers felt pressure to keep up with other speeding drivers. It's called vacation. All right, inattention. Paying little attention to the actual speed they were driving. Been guilty of that? It feels good. <laughs> Simply for the fun of it, baby. You just 
pedal to the metal. You know, you bought that car to speed, somebody. It's okay. We love you. God forgives you. All right. You feel powerful when driving fast. Think of that. Situational factors, social pressure, inattention, and it feels good. That's why people speed. It hit me as I'm looking at it. We can apply this spiritually to our lives. Now, I haven't run any statistics. I don't think there's any survey out there on spiritual fatalities. But I do think speeding has something to do with it. They want to rush out of a season into a new season. They don't want to take what God's doing in the waiting. We'd rather just try to sprint into the promised land. There's a good story in Joshua when the people of Israel did that. The first battle, as they went into the promised land, God did all the work. Amen? They praised him. You remember. Come on. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Yeah? I'll stop. You're welcome. All right. Now you know why I don't sing. Okay, so Jericho. They would surround it one time a day. And on that final day, seven times, and what happened? The walls came tumbling down. The next battle... The odds were way in their favor. Even in the natural, they were defeated. because They rushed ahead. They didn't walk in obedience to God. They shortcut. Many people shortcut, and I believe so often we can stagnate spiritually. We can jeopardize ourselves spiritually by trying to actually rush ahead into the promises God has over our life. And it could be situational. It could be situational. We're just, we just, we just in a hurry. We just want to make it happen. There could be social pressure. Come on, you think of that comparison trap? Well, you know, singles, hear me. Everybody else is married. I'm just going to rush into it, make it happen. I'm just gonna, let me just figure it out. I'll just make it happen. Instead of waiting, waiting for God's best, honoring God with who you are and who you're called to be. Social pressure, right? We could just, and a quick fix. Money could solve this. I'm just going to shift jobs. Social pressure, right? That comparison trap, it can plague us spiritually. Or good old inattention. You, just did, you had no idea how fast you were trying to, <laughs> trying to go. I've known people who've really jeopardized sometimes their family dynamic because they've pursued money. They've pursued wealth, and they didn't pay attention spiritually. As a church, as a, as a pastor, we want to come alongside you and encourage you, God first. God first. God first. Like we, let me just, just let me throw you for a loop. We believe Jesus here at Hillside. All right? And if he said it, we can trust it. Now, our flesh can't stand it, but we can trust it. And we can live before God, knowing that he has our best interests in mind. And sometimes... It can just be inattention. You think about that. Don't be attentive to your spiritual walk. Be attentive. Keep that pulse with God. Man, are you waiting on him? Are you listening to him? Are you checking things through with him? Uh, years, years ago, I, 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 I used to rush ahead and then invite God to bless what I was rushing into. You ever tried that? I mean, Netflix makes documentaries about people who do that. I'm testing some jokes here. That one did not go over well. <laughs> I receive it. I receive it. It's okay. I can humble myself. All right. It feels good. Sometimes, sometimes we're just used to a pace. Let me, let me just encourage you. If you're new to the faith or coming back to the faith, 
God can show up anytime he wants, yes, but I think sometimes our young faith needs those responses quickly. And I've, I've noticed this, that sometimes, right, God's maturing our faith but during the waiting, during the delaying. When we come back to faith, sometimes it just seems like, man, <laughs> Jesus is on the main line. You know, other times, you just think he walked away from the phone. But early days in following Jesus, it's like answer prayer, answer prayer, answer prayer, answer prayer. And so we can be tempted to think, man, that in every season it's like that. No, sometimes as we're stepping into that promised land, we must be patient. We must wait on God. Use some examples for you, but a relationship is taking too long. Maybe we want to jump ahead. A promotion or a piece of our career path isn't clicking like we wanted it to. So we jump ship. The business plan is taking a lot longer than the projections and forecasts indicated. Sometimes we can quit too soon. I know I've experienced this, but maybe you have too. Maybe you are in this moment. And you're in a situation where you've rushed ahead. Maybe the end game for you today is to push pause, to take a break, to just get the perspective right and to wait on God. Psalm 28, verse 14, it says this, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Then we take a short breath with that semicolon, and then we go, be of good courage. Why would they encourage us to be of good courage? Because we're going to need courage while we wait on the Lord. And here's what happens, though. It's not a semicolon. It's a comma. As we live in courage, he strengthens our heart. And then to end it off, wait, I say, on the Lord. I've got a simple image. I mean, it's probably already been in your mind a little bit of this. If we could just bring up the you are here right? You are here. There's your promised land. The distance between is called faith. If you can see it and it comes to you naturally and easily, that's great. It really is. But it's not called faith. Faith is, is, is walking into the unknown, but trusting God's word in and over your life. And it's that promise that he leads us into. And this truly impacts every arena of our life. Sometimes the greatest step of faith you're practicing is waiting on God. So often we think the greatest moment of faith is the mountaintop. <laughs> is when everything's working out according to plan. No, we live for those moments. We love those moments. But many times the greatest Piece of the puzzle is the waiting on God, being obedient to his word. In the ministry moment that Josh was sharing earlier today, you think about Naaman and his story. He just wanted to try to fix the problem. And then God came to him in that waiting season and gave him something ridiculous to do. And he was like, no, I want to do this my way. Well, that didn't work out how you know. And so he obeyed what God commanded him to do. And go figure, he stepped in to the promise. 
Webster's Dictionary from 1828, it says this, waiting, it defines it as this, to stay or rest in expectation, to stop or remain stationary till the arrival of some person or event. Part of our journey of faith is we must learn to wait well. We've really got to stay rooted in the promises of God over our life. It's not easy. It's not easy. But if we can remain steadfast, full of hope, full of expectation, full of a sense of impending goodness, God will continue to form us and make us into his image. Come on, you remember, if, I, if you were here last week or you listened this week, you remember last week I, I shared at the Chinese pastor. The Chinese pastor said, look, we pray for the church in the West. We pray for Christians in the West because in America, many people start their faith really, really well. But they finish poorly, a.k.a. they don't finish. They jump ship. And God wants to invite us. God's calling for us to be a people, to be an individual that actually can, can rejoice in the patience process, can, can, can be full of hope in the middle of the waiting. I have here just one key truth. We'll talk about a couple of reasons people don't wait, because that'll be fun, and then we'll end. Key truth, listen to this. Any pathway, no matter how appealing, that shortcuts God's ways isn't worth it in the long run. Any pathway in my relationships, in my singleness, in my marriage, in my finances, in trying to witness to my child that's far from God, hypothetically, are you waiting on God? Are you being obedient to God? Are you listening to God. It's so critical that we do in any pathway, no matter how appealing, that shortcuts God's ways isn't worth it in the long run. Here's a couple ways we could be tempted to speed up. A couple ways. One I've mentioned a little bit earlier, but it goes by an abbreviation. It's kind of fun to say. FOMO. FOMO. Which is rude in YOLO. All right. Fear of missing out, and you know YOLO, you only live once. Maybe you didn't. I'm going to teach you some things today. Be glad. But FOMO is a fear of missing out, a fear of missing out. Nothing gets us to jump the gun. I was talking with one of our members before service, and he works for the Indiana State Police. And these last few days, as you can imagine, have been pretty hectic and busy with the weather we've incurred or endured, however you want to look at it. And he said, man, I was just thinking, I wish people would slow down. I just wish they would slow down. Well, why are we speeding down the road? We have a fear of missing out. They're going to run out of those glazed raspberry-filled donuts. <laughs> and I'm determined not to miss them. We're going we're gonna to rush in. We're going to rush. And we live in a hurried lifestyle. A lot of times that's rooted in... We just believe a lie from the enemy. I can't tell you how many attacks and times through, through, through subtle or obvious ways he's tried to uproot me, get me to move too fast, get me to move on, move out. 
you know, get, get going. Let's speed up. Let's speed up. Let's speed up and miss out who God is. And why? Because I, I have a fear of missing out. Isn't it ridiculous? Spiritually speaking, we have a fear of missing out, so we miss out. It's ironic. We're seeing the people to our right or to our left. We're tempted to look to the right or to our left and, and follow what's happening in their life. And you know, social media does not help at all. And so daily we face a barrage. Man, I, I'm, just, I'm just not living up. I'm not living up. So we can compete and it's so interesting that because of that fear of missing out, we want to rush God on. We want to move God on. Or we just think, God, you've, for, you've forsaken me. You've forgotten about me. Because look at what's happening to them, and it's not happening for me. There's no way you're teaching me something in this moment. Is there? And he's like, there is. Waiting on him. If we live with a FOMO mindset, fear of missing out, we will start justifying things we would normally not justify a career well they aren't the ideal company and so what some practices are unethical but uh look at my paycheck baby relational how about this so she doesn't know god and wants nothing to do with my relationship with jesus but uh hey dude look at this social media post. Isn't she gorgeous? What? How do you, you, you begin to justify things that in your right mind you would never justify. Yeah, that's fun. All right. He doesn't have a problem with my loving God. He doesn't want anything to do with it, but you know what? He's okay with it, which is better than the last person. Business partner, I'm amazed at all the finances this new partner is bringing to the startup. Sure, maybe it's a lot of drug money and ripping people off. But I can look the other way and look, you can't argue with all this money. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. People have these moments where they're trying. God's like, hey, just wait. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to build your character. It's going to be a season of proving ground. You have muscles that you're going to need. But listen, it's going to take some, some exertion. It's going to take some patience. We're going to build that character up so it can sustain the calling, the blessing, the promise that I have for your life. So don't buy in to the FOMO, the fear of missing out. Remain steadfast. Remain patient. James chapter 1, verse Four, this verse will save your life, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Beautiful, beautiful verse. Beautiful. Remaining patient, remaining steady, continuing to be consistent in and out of season, faithful in and out of season. Quiet time, in and out of season, not run by feelings, but run by the promises of God in and over our life. This is the trouble Israel found themselves in. We push on from numbers. You start getting into the promised land. It wasn't long before Israel was like, hey, God. We appreciate the miracles. We appreciate the signs and wonders. We appreciate the supernatural provision. But you know what? You're not good enough. We want a king. 
Why do you want a king? Well, we're looking at all the other nations, and they seem to have it going on. God's like, don't get a king. The king will enslave you. Nah, I think we want a king. Nah, nah, it's not what it seems. Listen, God, we want a king now. Okay, I'm going to give you what you want. Samuel's raised up, and he anoints Saul. Whew, we don't have time to go into all of Saul. We certainly don't have time to go into all of King David. King Solomon, I need people to build this temple unto God and this palace unto myself. He gets to looking around. Who are we going to use? Well, we use our people. We'll put them in slavery. Well, that didn't take long, did it? FOMO, fear of missing out. It's the greatest lie and trick of the enemy. Listen, hear it. Put your, yeah, no, don't do that. But listen, zone in, right? Focus, focus, focus. You remain stable, steady, patient. You will not have to go chasing a promise. God is going to bring it to you in Jesus' name. Do not rush. Do not rush. Do not rush. In Numbers 13, verse 1, notice how the promise is portrayed. Numbers 13, verse 1 and 2, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which you're going to have to build an army and knock off the ground. No. It says, which I am giving to the Israelites. God's going to give it to you. You're like, it's happening for everybody else. Really, let's just pull back for a minute. So what? So what? Hey, here's a perspective. It's happening for everybody. Well, God's just got something better for me. Man, my promise must be big. My promise must be looking really good right about now. There's been a long, God could have rushed ahead. God could have done something by now, but he's, he's prepping that promise for me. And he's going to bring it to you. I mean, so often we're so tempted to rush ahead, to try to make things happen in our own strength. God's just saying, listen, you, you, you don't even have to bother with a fear of missing out. Just remain faithful. Be obedient to my word. Stay in step with my spirit. And I'm going to bring the promise to you. Y'all don't even know. I almost moved to Tulsa moments, literally weeks before I had a full-time ministry position. Weeks before, I met the love of my life. Weeks before, I was rooted in a local life-giving church. Why Tulsa? I, I don't really know. I had family out there, so, you know, free place to stay. But as a young adult, as a young adult, I was like, God, what is taking so long? You know, because it was a year and a half. But when you're in your 20s, y'all... Come on, can we just be real? When you're in your 20s, a year and a half is kind of like a decade in your 40s, amen? 
Y'all in your 60s, you like, just wait, it's like five minutes. <laughs> like, listen, we know. We know we got fathers and mothers in the faith to our left and to our right. And he's like, he right, he right. I tell you why. What, what is that on the inside? That's that fear of missing out. I'm here to tell you, you got nothing to fear. God's not going to pass you by. You're not going to lose out. Don't rush ahead. Stay steady. Stay steadfast. God's not going to waste anything, man. You've got, you've got a past. <laughs> you got some major consequences from rushing ahead. Don't worry. God's got that side of things covered, too. He's going to restore what the enemy stole. He's going to take back the territory that was given to him. He can work all things together for his glory, for his good, in and through us. It's remarkable. And in our lives, God is so good. Like, like there's no mistake that gets God in the corner. No, he's always capable, always available. And so I just, I just really felt to hang there for a moment. Just be encouraged. you got nothing and no one to fear so good. It's so good not to be ruled and reigned by our feelings. Amen. But to be steadfast and, and, and faithful and steady. So fear of missing out. The second area sometimes when, where we can be tempted is the blame game. Sometimes the, these are my personal experiences of waiting not well. A fear of missing out and then the blame game. Sometimes we overthink the waiting season and pass the time by blaming others for it. Don't be too hasty to figure everything out. So often we blame ourselves. That's bad theology. Blame God. That can be bad theology. It can also be good theology, but blame others. Just go ahead and remove passing blame. We can remove passing blame. You can be steadfast. We don't have to look, man, blame, blame. I'm in this waiting season because of blah. No. God's working all things together for his good. You know, I'm reminded of Joseph. You remember Joseph in the Bible? That guy could not catch a break for nothing. Started really well, and then things got really ugly. So he gets these dreams from, from God. Shared them too soon, but nonetheless, these dreams from God. He's got the favored robe that he sold into slavery by his brothers. And then he gets a promotion. He, he, he becomes the right-hand man of Potiphar's house. Well, then he's accused of rape and abuse in that moment. He's thrown into prison. He's just like, I can't catch a break here. And then he interprets a couple guys' dreams. Things go really, really well, except they forget about him. And then he's, he's stuck there. I mean, this, is, this isn't like a year and a half. This isn't like e even a decade. It's, it's, it's a long season. But hear this, at the right time, the right time, the promise came. And Joseph, there's no line recorded in the book of Genesis where he's blaming anybody. In fact, the end of his story, when he comes face to face with the brothers that betrayed him and sold him into slavery, he says, hear this, what you caused for my harm, God has used for his good. And the good of this land and the good of my life. That's the testament and truth over your life. And so we don't want to be nudged into that blaming God. You think about people who waited. I think we have a couple of these examples for you. But Abraham and Sarah. It was 25 years waiting. Waiting for their son Isaac. Moses. 
40 years in the desert. Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. King David, 17 years before becoming king. Jesus himself, 30 years before public ministry. The Apostle Paul, three years in the desert for discipleship. And he was a certified Pharisee. God was like, man, we got to rewire some things. Three years. Wonder what God is up to in the waiting of your life. I wonder what he's doing on the inside. Maybe he's teaching you how to forgive. Maybe he's teaching you, or maybe he's not even teaching you anything. Maybe he's just healing you up. Maybe sometimes before we step into the next promise, man, we just got to get healed. Healed. There's just so much hurt we endured, so much pain, so much emotional turmoil. So God didn't put us in a waiting season to harm us, but to heal us. Maybe it's a test of obedience. Those are always really great. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I hope it's not for your sake, but maybe, maybe it is. Hey, how serious? Let's just talk real for a moment. How serious? How seriously do you take this? Jesus looks in you in the eye and says, hey, what's the struggle here? Why, why can't you obey my words? Why, why can't you honor me? Why can't you live submitted to my authority in and over your life? I'm just saying maybe. I hope not. I hope it's not obedience. It's needed. It's needed. It's needed. Sometimes we're in the waiting season just to learn how deep and wide God's love for us is. I know I've been in a waiting season before in my life in, in, in all of those areas, honestly. All of those areas. Sometimes God's in the waiting season. He's like, man, I'm just going to crazy provide for you in this season. I just want to show you. You, you. you sing about Jehovah Jireh. You sing about how much I love you. Well, that's easy when the wind's at your back. I'm just going to put you in a little bit of a holding pattern. And I'm just going to do some outlandish things in your life. Send some people across. Maybe, maybe instead of carrying other people, I'm going to carry you through this season to keep you whole and humble and know that you need community and not live in isolation. And there's just so many things that God's up to in the, in the waiting season. I'm going to move rapidly here. I'm going to end on a promise over your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I began the message with some driving analogies. I'm going to come full circle and end with some driving analogies. Perhaps today you need to do number one. Pull over and change seats. You know the bumper sticker that the oversaved Christians wear on the back of their car. Jesus is my co-pilot. All right. If you have that, please, that's awesome. But I just realized, man, you know, we didn't, I didn't have the team check the cars before I said that one. 
It's one of the greatest revelations in our walk with God is sometimes when we're rushing ahead, man, we, we, we forgot. We thought for a moment we were driving. And here's the kicker. He let us drive. I mean, God, God, God let us drive. And sometimes the greatest revelation we can have is, is for I know the plans I have for you. You just camp out on that. God knows the plans. And Isaiah says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I know several times in my life, still there's seasons. There will be seasons in the future. I'm going to be like, oh, I don't know how this wheel got here. Let's change seats. And I'm, I'm going to go and get maybe not even the front seat. Maybe I'll just get in the back seat be, and not be a back seat driver, but just rest. For I know the plans I have for you. I mean, these are fun. They're quick. We're going to share them on social media and somebody's going to like it. But I want you to move beyond liking something to living something, somebody. I don't, it's not, Jeremiah 29 is not a cute meme. It's a revolution of the soul. Because when, man, <clears throat> you wake up and it's hell on earth. You have to push through and into this revelation that God knows the plans he has for you. When you strung out and addicted and far from God, he breaks in with a little seed. And he's like, Holy Spirit, let's go. For I know the plans. And you, can, you, can, you can't even consciously maybe even hear it. But grandmama's on her knees, 40 states away, praying that God breaks in. God breaks through. We must change sometimes where we're seated. For I know the plans I have for you. Sometimes we just got to refuel. We're running out of gas. Well, changing the seats will help. But sometimes you got to refuel. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I mean, you just get that before you. I, I told you this years ago. I used to have a, have a picture of the parking lot full. I mean, I stole it from another church. And I just put it on my phone. I was like, God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Sometimes you, you just, yeah, you do. There, I'll just say, you got to claim it. You have to claim it. You have to move heaven and earth and claim that. And who are you claiming it from? Probably your own insecurities. You got to push them. Man, can, can you dare to believe God is that good? Yes, you got you to do it. Now, we, praise God, we don't have, not that that was a problem, because I was learning some things. But now I don't got to steal church's other parking lot pictures. I can, God's doing something great. Can I tell you, they're just things in our areas in life that, that if we're not careful, we've got to lift our eyes and refuel, refuel, stir up the promises of God in your life. Stir them up. Speak them out. Speak them over. Don't be weird. Don't do it in public when the person you're praying for, you out to lunch with them, you know. You know don't, don't be that person, you know. Praying, praying for your children to come, to come to the Lord or something, you're out to lunch with them, they're like, Oh, God bless this meal. Is it okay if I lay hands on you? Man, I pray that my son, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you know, you do all that spiritually, all right? But bless, sometimes I'm telling you, you've got to refuel the promises of God. Promises of God. Promises of God. 
sure taking a while. Promises of God. You refuel that vehicle. You refuel that vehicle. You refuel that vision. You refuel that vision because, again, remember, remember the passage. I remembered it well. That's why I'm having to look back all the way on the beginning of my notes. Psalm 28, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. and He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Pull over, change seats, refuel, and then keep the map before you. I love this. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. I quote this a lot less, but it's good. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Oh, it's so good. God's got a promise over your life. Come on, he's not done. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Say, Paul's done. But God's not done. All right. God is not. <laughs> Some of y'all just looked at your name. I don't know what to say to you. That was confusing. <laughs> you were thinking about lunch. I know it. I know it. That's okay. Let me encourage you. Those who wait upon the Lord. He will renew their strength. Your future is bright, I'm convinced. If I'm the only person championing that over your life, that's okay. You have permission to say that truth over your life. You can do that for any arena of your life. Just think it right now. I know some of you have been through physical difficulties. The mind games come thick and heavy in those seats. Jesus heals. Jesus saves. Jesus provides. Jesus redeems. Know that God is faithful and steady over your life. Let's be a people who wait on God. Sometimes we just have to draw a line in the sand. My parents, Lord have mercy, they use that on me all the time. Paul, you need to draw a line in the sand. I was like, I can't walk around here. There's lines everywhere. <laughs> it's like, y'all know, I, you, you know I'm so perfect and holy. I get it. But <laughs> I remember, man, you know, using some bad language. Man, thank God for good parents. My mom would be like, you need, where did you say that? Over there? Well, you just go stand over there and you just, you claim that land in the name of Jesus. You will not have a foul mouth. Just let me cuss, Mom. Come on. I can't even cuss good. You know, anyhow. That's like draw a line in the sand. Draw a line in the sand. I was like, all right. Some of you have no idea. Me neither. All right. <laughs> spiritually, 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 we've got to draw a line in the sand. God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm not going to quit too soon. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to remain steadfast. Father, it may seem like it's taking a season, but I know that all good things need time to prepare. The fruit, if you will, needs time to grow, to become ripe. And so it's a beautiful thing. We don't have to rush ahead. You don't have to speed. You don't have to try to make something happen. That may have been the word for you from Exodus, or Numbers, excuse me, 13, 1 and 2, where God's telling Moses, go send them out. Show them the land that I 
will give them. I really felt that. God's going to give you. You're not going to have to necessarily go take. You're going to receive his promises as you rest, remain steady. Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. I thank you for the story you're writing in and over their life. Lord, I thank you that it is a good story. Father, for some of us, we just need to say, Lord, forgive us for rushing ahead. Lord, for some of us, it's, it's, we, we, we need some cleanup, God, because we rushed ahead and some of these messes and mistakes that are before us every day. We, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would heal, bring, bring a touch, God. Just, just kind of clean it up, God, as you clean us up. Lord, for others of us, Lord, we keep looking to the right and to the left. It seems like everybody else's promises are coming true. It seems like for us, it's not happening. Would you give us courage, Lord? Would you give us hope? Would you give us a peace that passes all understanding? And Lord, would the word over our life be that we would receive your promises into our life. Come on, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to say this. We can move forward in our faith by receiving the promise the same way we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's salvation gift. You can't earn it. You can't have it all together. You can't be fixed up and then say, you know, now seems like a great day to know Jesus. It may happen that way, but most often it never does. And I want to encourage you. Jesus meets us in the broken places. Jesus meets us in the disappointment and the defeats and the struggles of life. Hear me. Jesus meets us in our sin. He forgives us and then he gives us his hand and leads us forward out of the sin. But you have the choice to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, you know God's knocking on your heart. You know it's time to be born again. It's time to surrender your life to Jesus. Say this with me. God, I need you. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive my past. I call you Lord and Savior. Today is a new day. Today my life begins, God, as I look to you and trust you. I'm giving you my whole life, God. I call you King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. I believe that I'm justified, set free by faith through the power of the name of Jesus. Fill me with your spirit, God. Give me the strength I need in Jesus' name. Amen.